pace another week in the nfl a lot more happened how you doing blake i'm good i'm good i was uh disappointed this sunday i was traveling you know about eight hours up and down the east coast so i didn't really get to catch games but uh sunday night got to sit down catch up on all the recaps and it was a looked like a pretty decent week how about yourself yeah i was the same way man it's been a busy week you know uh we just got out of college so a lot of things happening, and I got to watch some of the Saturday night games, so I got to see uh, mm-hmm. Chiefs, uh, I think it was Chiefs uh, Chargers, yep. and that game, that game was surprising, to say the least. You oh know? yeah, I was shocked. <laughs> so I guess we're going to go right into it. Uh, so, every week, as we talked about every week on the show, the, the Rams have been a truly surprising team this year. I mean, especially on offense, Sean McVay has really turned this unit around. They're averaging 31.3 points a game this year. Uh, how does this? How how great has this Rams offense truly been, and how does it rank with all the other offenses all time? I mean, the complexity of the offensive scheme is is one of the greatest I've seen. You know, in my young life of as an NFL fan, it's it's been amazing. Um, you know, it's reminiscent of what the what the uh, Falcons had going last year with Kyle Shanahan, but I, it, it's it's even better to me because the talent. While there is talent on that team up and down the offense, it's not as great as it was in Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta had like has one of the best receivers in football. I don't think that the Rams have that. They have Matt Ryan, and I think still to this point, Jared Goff is not as good as a quarterback as Matt Ryan is. Um, and you know, the Rams have Todd Gurley, which is you know he's one, he's one of the best running backs in football this year. Um, and then last year, the, the Falcons, you know, Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman was a great combination. Um, Sean McVay is doing something amazing with this offense. It's a, it's a young group. It's a developing group. And um, it's great to see what he's done with the talent that it's, you know, it's only going to get better. You know, they're only going to improve underneath him. The offense is going to continue to grow um, play calling wise. And so, you know, they look to be set for, you know, the next for the foreseeable future, in my opinion. See, I, I looked at some of the greatest offenses of all time. You look at the 2007 Patriots, where they averaged 36.8 points. Uh, the greatest show on turf, 1999, the Rams led by Kurt Warner. Paul, um, mm-hmm. They had uh, Marshall Falk, Holt, Isaiah Bruce. You look at uh, the 2013 Denver Broncos, led by Manning, 37.9 points per game. And the Rams might only be uh, averaging 31.3, but the most impressive thing is all those offenses had precursor offenses where they were still a pretty good offense before they just exploded. Right? Last year, the Rams averaged 14 points a game. This was not an offense. This was the opposite of an offensive team. This was the worst offense in the league, or at least one of them. And this year, they've just been beating the crap out of people. And I think people really didn't expect how good this offense really was. And maybe they're a little underestimating in the beginning. But now they just got to realize that uh, the Rams are coming to play every game. And they're going to put up 30. So you better put up 30 yourself. That seems like the only way to beat them at this point. Mm-hmm. I mean, the defense has really been catching up too. And if you watch the game against Seattle, 
uh, at least some of the highlights, Aaron Donald just destroying Russell Wilson. And that's just something yeah. you don't see every day. You don't see big defensive linemen being able to catch Russell Wilson. And that's what was really happening. And that's why the Seahawks fell so hard because they took Russell Wilson out of the game. And if you do that, you win against the Seahawks at this point. So the Rams offense has been impressive, but the team as a whole has been just as impressive. Yeah, and and you know, like the past the few years of you know Jeff Fisher's career, it was it was so defense heavy, and you know there were so many you know talented players on that defense: Connor Barwin, Aaron Donald, uh, Alec Ogletree, and they had some great corners back then too. And so I think it was really smart of Sean McVay when he arrived in Los Angeles now to say, you know what, free agency, the draft, let's go all in on offense. I wrote a piece on this before the preseason, you know, just a. To my own horn here, I did say that they were going to have one of the best offenses this year, and Jared Goff would be a top 15 quarterback. Um, I, I'll just put that plug in there. Oh, yeah, I see. I heard it. I heard that's, it. That's, that's just a little plug of myself there. But but they went offensive heavy in the offseason to get the pieces around Jared Goff to give him opportunities to develop and you know make some easier plays. When last year it was, you know, you could hand it off to Todd Gurley, he was also having kind of a down year, but you could, you know, you didn't have any great receivers that could make plays, and so they go out and you know you draft Cooper Cup, you trade for Sammy Watkins, um, and and it's just they they improved the offensive line, and so it made Jared Goff more comfortable, and now it's going to give him the chance to grow. You know, I'm I'm not giving up on Jared Goff's career, especially after you know I mean many people probably were after his first season, people didn't like him as the first overall pick. Um, but, you know, this year, Sean McVay has made him look so much better, and, and that's going to give him the confidence and the opportunity to grow. And, you know, as long as he grows and as long as this um, these, some of these young receivers like Cooper Cup grow, they're going to be set for a while. It's kind of funny how you think about it. Jeff Fisher, we like to give this stigma that he was so bad that we didn't really get to see these offensive players the way they should be. But is it really just Sean McVay hiding some of their flaws and making them better than they should be? It's really it's it's hard to tell with these players well, if they're really that good or it's just a matter of two different coaches training two different ways. I personally, I think Todd Gurley is really really good, and he's the only one that I, that sticks out in my mind is he's good on any team. But the other players, mm-hmm. like I mean Robert Woods, I mean like is he really that great? I mean was he that he was not that great on Buffalo? I know that no. for a fact. I mean, Cooper Cup, I think, is pretty good. But Sammy Watkins was, was also another ex-Buffalo receiver that we don't know about. He was very inconsistent. So, I mean, I just want to know how much is really Sean McVay and how much is these players being that great. Yeah, and, and that's the thing with, with Jeff Fisher. It, it's so bad because you look at um, uh, who moved on to Minnesota in another great offensive scheme. You know, Casey, Casey Keenum. Keenum. Yep. He looks amazing this year. He's been one of the best quarterbacks this season. And... Yet, you know, last year he looked terrible in that Rams offense. So, you know, you've seen those two guys go and, and grow a lot this year with in better offenses. So I just I think it I'm not saying that, you know, it's the players being better. Um, I, I think it's just the difference in coaching. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, it's just like you take some players like well, I go with the obvious Aaron Rodgers or someone like that. And you know that they're going to just if they were on that Rams offense the year before. I don't think they're putting up the numbers that the Rams are putting up this year, but that offense would be tremendously better. So maybe mm-hmm. it is, uh, you do have to think a little bit of the system with, I mean, Casey Keenum, 
uh, he's having a great year and everything, but you see he's under the right circumstances. Exactly. So some of these players are really good, but they need to be in the right circumstances, and anytime Sean McVay's your offensive coordinator or head coach, I think you're going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So I think that's enough for that topic. On to our next one. Which team currently in a playoff spot is the weakest and is in danger of missing out? I'm going to start with you, Blake. Um, in danger of missing out, you know, the weakest. I, I just looked to the AFC. Um, the NFC, yeah. I don't, you know, whatever team in the NFC makes it, I think deserves to. So I think there would be teams in the NFC that don't make it that deserve to be in the playoffs. Um, you know, I think if Aaron Rodgers was healthy, the Packers deserve to be in the playoffs every year. I mean, they've made it every year he's been a starter. But, yeah. um, you know, in the AFC, um, I was really shocked with the Chargers this past week. You know, I expected them to just ride this wave to the top, and and somehow the Chiefs just stood them up last week and and look, made their defense look pretty bad too. I mean, you saw flashes of you know the first half of the season. Kareem Hunt went you know ballistic on them, mm-hmm. and so that's one team that I think is in in real danger. Um, some of the weaker teams in the playoffs that will ma- end up making the playoffs. I'm I'm. I'm not impressed with with the Chiefs, the the Titans, the Bills. You know, any of those three teams in the postseason, I I, I don't expect much for them. I expect the Jags, the the Steelers, and the Patriots to you know make easy business out of them. But um, yeah, I just the NFC is so strong. There's no team in there that really concerns me if they make the postseason. But the Titans, I don't like their play calling. I don't like their coaching staff. The Bills, I mean. I don't. I still don't understand even how yeah. they're in playoff I, like, I, I actually have it over. Uh, I was like, the Bills should just be happy that they have eight wins this season. I know. I, that's there was so there was absolutely no expectations really coming in. Absolutely. And then there was not. the drama with Tyrod and Peterman, and now they're eight and six. I yeah. don't under. I nobody really understands that situation. I don't think. Yeah. Who do you think? Uh, who do I think? Well, I mean. Like you said, the obvious choices are the Titans and the Bills because, I mean, nobody really expects them to get past. The Titans have absolutely just fallen flat on their faces the past couple weeks. I mean, they just lost to San Francisco and the week before another easy loss. I mean, and they faced Jacksonville and the Rams for the last two games of the season. So I don't see Titans making it at this point. They're going to be 8-8, and and I'm I'm pretty solid in that belief. But, I mean, Buffalo has been more impressive than the Titans to me. I think they're a little bit of a better team. I can't really say that. But they had the Patriots this week, and I don't think they're winning against them. So they're probably going to get to nine wins. I think the, the Ravens have to slip in there at some point because how easy their schedule is. And I think they're a decent team all around. But I'm, I'm going to go to the NFC a little bit. I, like you said, I mean, they're all strong teams over there. And it wouldn't really be embarrassing or surprising if any of them make it and make a run. But if I were to pick one team that's struggling right now, and I don't like their spot in the playoffs, and that'd have to be the Falcons right now. Mm, I mean, yeah. we talked about it a little before the show. They played Tampa Bay this week, and for half the game, they look like the Falcons that are dominant and have a great offense, and they use their weapons a little bit. And then it's like they let the foot off the gas the second half, and the Tampa Bay Bucks, who have been playing horrible recently, came back and almost beat them. They almost let themselves be beat. I mean, Matt Ryan had a horrible second half. After the first half, he looked pinpoint. Uh, they don't utilize Julio Jones enough. I've said this every single week. Why are you not utilizing the best player in the field? I just, I, I understand that there's different coverages and everything, but hey, look, the, the Steelers make it work every week, and I know they have some other talent on that team, but you have Devontae Freeman, usually Tevin Coleman. You have Mohamed Sanu, who's a pretty good number two. Taylor Gabriel, people to stretch the field. 
So I just don't understand why he can't be utilized, and I think that's on their offensive coordinator a little bit. So I just I, I'm a little worried about him, especially with how hot the freaking Cowboys are playing, and this, mm-hmm. the Seahawks could turn it around. I mean, the Lions have won a couple games. If any of those teams wins out, and the Falcons lose out, and they have the Saints and Carolina in the next two weeks, which are two plausible losses, the Falcons are out of the playoffs. So I'm I'm worried about them. So yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask you. You know, the Falcons they do have a really tough schedule coming up. Um, probably the toughest out of any of these. Team's still trying to make it in there. Do you think? Do you think it's it's down to the Cowboys to make it? Because I know the Lions have the seventh seed technically, like they're next up. But do you really? Yeah. Do you see it? You know, the Cowboys getting Zeke back. Do you think they just ride this wave into taking over the Falcons' last playoff spot? Well, the thing is, the Falcon, they're the Seahawks, and the Cowboys still have the same record right now. They're both eight and six. Mm-hmm. So, and they play each other this week. So this this week is it's a huge week when it comes yeah, to playoff true. scenarios. I think the Seahawks are going to come out pissed off after what just happened to them against the Rams. I mean, that that's just something you don't see from a Seahawks defense. I, I don't think the Cowboys have a decent defensive line this year. They've had a good one all year, but it's not the Rams' defensive line. They don't have Aaron Donald out there. So I think that Russell Wilson will find more success, especially with how weak the Cowboys' secondary is. Mm-hmm. So I think that offensively they'll be able to hang a little bit more. And defensively, if they're able, Ezekiel Elliott comes back, which is a huge factor. And if if they're able to at least limit him to not have a huge game like Todd Gurley just had, then I think that the Seahawks have a shot. That being said, I do believe the Cowboys are probably going to win, but it's 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 just such a huge game that you never know. Maybe Russell Wilson just pulls it out of the hat. Exactly, he can do that from game to games. But looking in the in the AFC, you know. We're both not high on the Bills and Titans. They also have tough schedules coming up. Um, you, you talked about the Ravens. Do the Raiders, Chargers, or Dolphins have a chance to take that other wild card, or do you think one of these teams ends up in the postseason still? The Raiders and Dolphins do not. I'll say that right now. They they don't have a shot at the playoffs. The Chargers mm-hmm. still have. They're still clinging on to a little bit of life, but yeah. they can't. They can't come off like they did last week. I mean, that was a huge loss. I mean, they if they could have won that game, they're in the playoffs and they're winning the NFC West or the AFC West right now. They're in position at least to. And now they're scrambling for a playoff hope and they need they need help from other teams. Yeah. So, I I don't I don't like any of those teams to make the playoffs as much now. I'd give the Chargers about a 30% shot, but I mean, I can probably tell from the first drive if they're going to be winning the yeah. next game or not. Who do they play this week? Do you even have that? I'm trying to look for that. Who, who plays? Who does the Charter, Who do the Chargers play? Let me pull that up. The Chargers play the Jets this week. Wow, I mean, that's, that's a great defensive matchup. That is a good defensive matchup. And like we said all oh, here, the Jets kind of hung in there with the Saints last week. So yeah. Hung in with the Patriots. You know, they're a tough team to beat. So that's going to be tough for the Chargers. You know, the thing with me is that, that you know, the wild card weekend, the wild card round of the postseason, you know, some of those teams you clearly know year to year that aren't meant to be in the postseason. It's kind of like a maybe next year, you know, they'll get the divisional round and, you know, stuff like that. But it's just so much more entertaining when there are there are fun or like interesting quarterbacks in the playoffs. Like if you're telling me if I'd like to see Tyrod Taylor or, you know, uh, Philip Rivers in the playoffs, I'm taking Philip Rivers. You know, he's been to the playoffs, he's got that that F U attitude. I'd love to see him in the postseason. I mean, I'd hate to see him in the postseason against the Colts. It seemed like every year Philip Rivers was knocking Peyton Manning out of the postseason. That was miserable. But, you know, 
the tra- it's just more fun when there are more interesting teams. And like I, I don't want to watch the Bills in the playoffs. I kind of don't even want to watch the Titans. It's, you know, as as talented as Mariota can be, sometimes I I don't want to you know watch him play the you know the Chiefs or the Jags in the postseason. I'd rather see the Ravens and the Chargers because you know the Ravens have an unreal defense. You know Joe Flacco in the playoffs is you know better. <laughs> yeah, better. Not elite. Yeah, but, but better. Is he better? <laughs> um, and then Philip Rivers in that offense. You know that's just so much more fun than the Bills. So you know I really hope that both of those teams take over in the wild card, and they they honestly would be better threats to the divisional winners than the Titans and the Bills. Yeah, I mean you're definitely right. I no. <sighs> Tyrod, I'm not going to insult like you just insulted because I, <laughs> I like, did insult I kinda, Tyrod there. I kind of like Tyrod. So no, he's it's not fun. Good. Let's see. He's, yeah, he's fun. I don't have a problem. And Mariota's been pretty bad this season in all honesty, mm-hmm. so I don't really have a problem with that. I, I definitely put Phillip Rivers far above Mariota, especially mm-hmm. in watchability. So, yeah, it would be much more fun for the Chargers win, but, you know, that's not how the info works. It's got to be. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you got to win the games. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with that. On to our next subject. So, uh, Antonio Brown this week, he, he got injured pretty bad, partially torn calf. I know a lot of fantasy football fans were watching that and crying. But uh, can the Steelers make a postseason run without A.B. after uh, all he's meant to the offense? I'll say a couple stats for him. 101 catches this year, 1,533 yards, and nine tees in the regular season. This will be the first time in four years he hasn't reached double digits in TDs. What do you think, Like. You know, they're saying there's still a chance that he makes back by the postseason. I really hope that he does for the Steelers' case because, you know, I was kind of proven, you know, that game last week kind of proved me wrong about some, you know, the, the Steelers can hang with the Patriots. Um, yeah. You know, I I didn't expect them to, I didn't expect them in the postseason to be able to. I like Jackson. I still like Jacksonville's odds to make a tougher game on the Patriots than the Steelers, but, I mean, I don't know. It's just... Antonio Brown is so important to that offense. You know, it, thankfully they're in the AFC. In the NFC, I would say, you know what, you could be upset, you know, in your first week at home if you're in the NFC and you're playing like, you know, the Saints or the Rams. Like, you could be in trouble. Um, but, you know, thankfully they're in the AFC. They're going to have to play a combination of, you know, the, the Bills, Titans, Chiefs, Jags, Ravens, or Chargers. And, you know, I still like the odds of the Steelers winning those games against, you know, Maybe everyone except the Jaguars. I, you know, um, I know you have a see, bias I, I, I the love, I love the Jaguars' defense. It's, it's, uh, it can stop anyone, honestly. Um, but, you know, I don't think that they're shot. You know, they still made that game close without Antonio Brown for the full game, um, which was really interesting and really made me feel better about their playoff chances. But um, without him for a full game, that'll just make it so much easier to game plan for Belichick and... Um, so you know, I think they can still they can still make it to the AFC Championship game, but I don't really think that you know without Antonio Brown they're you know realistic Super Bowl contenders. Yeah, I mean Antonio Brown was a legitimate MVP candidate. He was so important to this team, and I will say, you know, Bill Belichick planned for AB so much in that game. Yeah, I mean that's what every mm-hmm. team's got to do. When AB went down, they really had to spread the offense around, and that could have screwed up their game plan pretty pretty heavily. If you don't, if you think about it, I mean, if Ben is looking for other people for his first read, because AB is usually his first read on a lot of plays, then I mean, it just it makes it harder to predict what the offense is gonna do. And in my opinion, right now, I really think that the Steelers are gonna struggle if AB is not on the field against the Patriots in the playoffs. I really think oh, yeah. that. That Bill Belichick will take Le'Veon Bell away, and then 
force some of the other receivers to make a play. And the person that I think needs to step up and actually make a difference in this team, if they have no A.B., is Martavis Bryant. I yeah. really – he's had a lot of controversy this year. There's been – I mean, he was sent to the practice squad for a little bit for complaining about the role he has on the team. Uh, this guy is just – has a tremendous amount of talent. You saw it this week. He made a one-handed touchdown catch. That was amazing. Oh, that was in nice. The game. <laughs> and that's, that's the type of ability this guy has – on every week, if he has the opportunities and he has his head head right, I mean, the last time the Steelers were in the playoffs and AB was down, Martavis Bryant was the one that did step up. He made a couple good touchdowns. He made an amazing touchdown catch, and I think they won that game. So, Martavis Bryant, I, he he needs to put everything behind him and just be the receiver that he has the potential to be, in my opinion. Yeah, the only the only concern why I still don't think I can. Uh trust the Steelers to have any success against the Patriots in the postseason without AB is because you still have to deal with their offense and who who can stop Rob Gronkowski on that team you know that's what you said last week you said without Shazier like without you know a real big uh defensive back who is going to guard Rob Gronkowski and you saw that on their their game-winning drive you throw it to Gronk three times and you get all the way down the field you throw it to him on a two-point conversion that was a terrible uh, play call by the Pittsburgh defense. I don't know how you give such a small safety a one-on-one jump ball with Gronk, but either way, that's just how it works out. But, you know, there are so many things that I think the Steelers can struggle with defensively that they're going to need Antonio Brown on the offense to be able to combat with their uh, with the Patriots' offense. Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, you say who can cover Rob Kinkowski? Well, who can cover Antonio Brown? That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I, like you're right. I, without Shazier, which is, it's a real shame because I think he could be one of the linebackers that actually is able to contend and at least cover Gronk to a certain point. Um, I, I don't know anybody that can cover Gronk in this league besides maybe Bobby Wagner, or Eric Berry, Week One. So I, I it's going to be complicated. But if the Steelers are somehow able to get Bryant and Juju Smith-Schuster to be at like the same level of involvement and really take over the game, then maybe they have a shot. But right now, I just don't see it without A.B. on the field. And at what capacity is he going to be on the field if he does play? Because that's that's a pretty gruesome mm-hmm. injury, as we saw. So I'm, I'm hoping that he's on the field, but I'm preparing for the worst. Yeah, so so if you, you think that they would lose to the Patriots in the AFC Championship, do you think that there's a team in you know in the playoff hunt that can prevent them from even getting there? Without Antonio Brown, I don't think that the the Steelers are already uh, in the playoffs. I believe I think they're. Oh no! Yeah, I mean, yeah, but getting you know preventing them from getting to the AFC Championship game. Oh, uh, preventing them from the AFC Championship. Well, in all honesty, I would have said the Chargers may have had a shot, and I still think they have a shot if they somehow sneak into the playoffs and are playing hot. But I mean, they somehow play Jacksonville now. I believe. I mean, especially without A.B., even though I think Ben is going to want a revenge game and show that that was more of a fluke, if anything. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to put up record numbers or anything. but Yeah, that would be the that would be the matchup, too, because the Jags have the three seed right now and the Steelers are the two, so that would be the matchup. So that would be an interesting game. That will 100% be an And it will benefit so much more to the Jags if Antonio Brown is there because that, you know, that just takes away, you know, Jalen Ramsey can cover Martavis Bryant, and A.J. Bouye can cover Juju Smith-Schuster all day, you know, but they would have some trouble with Antonio Brown, and which I would open up the chance for other receivers. 
I will say, yeah, their their receiver depth on the Steelers is is pretty good. I think it is. They definitely. have they have they have Eli Rogers there that who was a favorite of Ben Roethlisberger last year, mm-hmm. and he hasn't even been really utilized this year. And yeah. I think they still have Darius Hayward Bay who stepped up at times. Mm-hmm. So and their t- tight ends are uh, not like terrific, but they're both good. And Vance McDonald and Jesse James have made some plays, even though Jesse James didn't, I guess, didn't catch that ball. So. Well, I, we'll have to see, but it's definitely going to be a way more interesting matchup without AB, and it's going to be a struggle for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll go on to our next subject, which is who was the biggest Pro Bowl snub this year? Uh, there's plenty of snubs, as there is every year. Who are you going with, Blake? Um, you know, biggest snubs. Uh, I take a look at you know quarterbacks. I think um, both from the AFC and NFC, you know, Alex Smith and Case Keenum, I think were big snubs. I, I guess Case Keenum would be my biggest snub from the Pro Bowl. Yeah, 100. I mean, an amazing year, you know, 3,200 yards, 20 touchdowns, you know, just seven interceptions, um, you know, averaging, what is it? Uh, he's averaging 247 a game, uh, quarterback rating of 98.9. He's been tremendous this year, and I get it that's a benefit to the offense, but that's also a reason to get in trouble if your offense is great, and it has been. You know, they're, you know, the most, they're, they're the second best team in my, no, they're the best team in the NFC now without Carson Wentz. They're the, they're the best team All in right. the NFC with Carson Wentz gone, and I think, you know, the quarterback of that team deserves to be, you know, a Pro Bowl selection. Alex Smith, while he dipped off and it looked very bad through the middle of the season, First half of the season looked great, and it has looked really well the past two weeks as well. Um, looking in the NFC, other positions that aren't quarterback, you know, Jordan Howard had a great season again. Um, he's fourth in the league in rushing and has 4.4 yards per carry with seven rushing touchdowns. And, um, you know, some of his time was taken away from Tariq Cohen. So, you know, his numbers could have been bigger if he was the only back there. So I think he got, I think he got snubbed. Um you know, last one, an old guy, Julius Peppers, 37 years <laughs> old. You know, he's only pl- he's played in under of Carolina snaps. He's tied for 10th in the league in sacks. He's ha- He has 10 sacks this year, playing half of the plays for the Panthers. You know, he's one of the greatest defensive linemen to play the game, and he's doing it at age 37. I thought it would have been nice to see him get another pro bowl. Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to go with the- some defensive players as well that I noticed. So Harrison Smith and uh, Melvin Ingram are my two that are uh, pretty mm-hmm. big pro bowl snubs. So I'll go with Smith first. Smith is uh, he's the leader of the Vikings defense. I mean, he has yeah. three picks this year, one point five sacks and fifty one solo tackles. I wanted to compare that to Landon Collins, who was taken ahead of him. He has two picks, zero sacks and forty eight solo tackles, all less than Smith. And I know that stats don't tell the full story, but I think I'd much rather have uh, the leader of one of the best defenses in the NFL on the Pro Bowl than a guy who's on a floundering team that has really done hasn't done much and has less numbers than the guy that's been playing so great. So I, I think that's a pretty big snub that Smith didn't make it on there. Um, I'll go with Ingram, too. Like a lot of people have said, there would be no Joey Bosa without Melvin Ingram. I mean, Melvin Ingram has 10 sacks this year, which is only 1.5 less than him. And according to Pro Football Focus, Melvin Ingram drops back way more than Joey Bosa to go in coverage, and he plays the run much better. That's according to their grades and everything. So I think Melvin Ingram is getting a little bit of stuff to the young guy, his young teammate. And I think Joey Bosa's just had a lot more attention around him, but Ingram is having a great year himself. I know he was the player of the month at one point. Mm-hmm. So I think he could have clearly made it as well. Yeah, um, 
those are two great. Yeah, Melvin Ingram, I thought was you know shocking to me because that duo had been so elite this year, and the defense had been picking up um, really fast. And, and another guy in the AFC on the defensive side of the ball, Yannick Ngakwe from the Jags. Yeah. Now I I can understand you not putting in three fourths of the Jags defensive line into the Pro Bowl, but um, but you know Yannick Ngakwe, you know six forced fumbles, um, two of the fastest. Two of the six fastest sacks recorded this season uh, when he did, uh, had strip sacks against Tom Savage in 2.2 and 2.5 seconds in the first week of the NFL. Um, those are those are both strip sacks fastest. Um, you know, he's been a, you know, a great player for this defense. I guess I, I guess that's more just towards you can't have they didn't want to put five guys from the Jags defense. You know, I think if you were asking me, Calais Campbell, Malik Jackson, Ramsey, and Bouye all deserved it above him. But, um, you know, you can't you can't ignore Yannick Ngakwe's play. Yeah. I mean, you, you can, but like like you said, it's kind of hard to put the whole Jacksonville defense out there. That yeah. would be, that'd be kind of funny, though. I mean, Oh, I'd love to be, watch it. <laughs> that'd be hilarious. So let's put the Jacksonville defense against the whole Pro Bowl and see if they struggle. Well, but, um, and, and for, you know, it's just looking, comparing other players, you know, Terrell Suggs is in the Pro Bowl, has the same amount of sacks as Ngakwe, but Ngakwe has 17 more tackles. So, you know, I understand true. Suggs is just that name brand and is, is the leader of the defense. I think that's why he gets more attention because Ngakwe isn't the leader of the Jags defense. Um, but you know the stats show that you know you know he's having you know a Pro Bowl season. Yeah, I mean like one of the times as we've seen, I mean the Pro Bowl All Star games in general can be a popularity contest when it comes to big name players. So even if they're not having uh, uh, the best year ever, they're not playing better than some of the other smaller names. They're going to get in just because name brand alone and the type of team they're on. Usually, if they're a bigger market, I mean we see it all the time. Some, that's just the thing of the game, and a lot of times you see those guys, you see some outcry, and they get in as alternates eventually. So hopefully yeah, some of these true. guys make it in. I think I feel like Ingram will make it in as an alternate. I feel like, like you said, uh, Casey Keenum should definitely make it in as an alternate. He, mm-hmm. he was one of my biggest snubs as well, especially on the offensive side. I don't think about uh, Alex Smith might get in, but I don't really care if he gets in or not. Like you yeah, said, I'm he, not he, interested he, in that. <laughs> he, yeah, honestly, he's been up and down. He, I think he made the Pro Bowl last year. That's enough of Pro Bowls for Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I mean, the, the Pro Bowl will be what it is. And I, I wonder if they're doing the skill. They're doing the skills competition again this year, yeah, aren't I, they? I can't say that the Pro Bowl is, you know, something I'm going to sit down and watch. Yeah. And not really. You know? I think, I'll be honest, the skills competition at least made me a little bit interested. I thought some of it was kind of cool. The uh, yeah. the dropping the balls from the drones. Yeah, was, was, that was kind of fun. But that, you know, that was kind of it's fun. It's just they they don't play. It becomes you know like two hand touch football because yeah. you know you're asking you're asking athletes who you know beat the crap out of each other for all year to go out and do it you know one more time when they felt their season was over, and you know mm-hmm. you don't want to get hurt in the Pro Bowl, so you're not going to take it as seriously. But then why even have it at that point is my is my thought. Uh, I don't 100%. know. That's it's, why I think they're incorporating the skills competition as a way of being like, okay, we're doing something else to try to entertain some people. And yeah. I thought they did a decent job of it for their first year. I think they, oh, need, definitely. To, they need to get it to expand on it, definitely. And I think you know, more people will be interested in it if they have more. Because the skills competition, athletes are at least going full tilt for most of the thing. Because the risk of injury is way more minimal, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and uh, football is such a violent game. It's hard to just tell like a bunch of star players to go out there and uh, 
perform a yeah. game for everybody for a game that doesn't even other. matter yeah you know, it, i mean the game doesn't matter at all you collect a paycheck you get to go to what well, is there in orlando now right it's not even hawaii yeah but it's not even hawaii anymore Jeez. so yeah you know it's just not as interesting yeah i i, I agree and i mean it's i don't think they, there's no way they should put any more incentive into the pro bowl because you don't want your star players going out there and getting hurt because then nobody no. wants anybody in the pro bowl anymore exactly so yeah it is what it is We'll go on to our final subject today, and this has been a really hot topic in the NFL ever since uh, the Patriots-Steelers game. What is a catch? Does the catch rule need to be changed, or is it definitive? Well, I mean, what do you think, Blake? I mean, it's, it's, is, is it where it needs to be? Unfortunately, it it is, in my opinion. You know, I... I watched the replay. Like I said, I didn't get to sit down and watch that game. I wish I did. I was traveling all day, but... I got home and I and I watched, you know, just the replays uh, and then I I saw the catch and you know, by rule that is incomplete. As as much as I don't want it to be, that's that's the way the rule is. Now do, does the rule need to be changed? Then you're just creating more gray area and it's, you know, it's 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 just another process. I think there are more important things that the league needs to focus on this offseason than the catch rule. But I mean, you've seen it for the past few years. It's upsetting. You know, it it Whoever, whichever way it goes, the opposite side is going to feel cheated out. You know, if that was ruled a catch, you know, Patriots Nation would be furious, you know, and it's it was incomplete. The Steelers are furious. Um, I don't think it needs to be changed. I think it is, it's clear enough what you have to do. You have to maintain it all the way throughout. And when the ball started moving, I, I said to myself, okay, that's the way the rule is. That's an incomplete pass. Unfortunately, I don't think it should be you know I think if anything you know his knees down at the one put him at the one yard line and then give Le'Veon Bell a one yard rush I think that's the way to go but um you know it's it's just the way that the game is and you know it's not like when you're playing outside you know you catch a ball playing with your friends that's a catch you know you never thought you'd get to a point in the NFL where stuff like that is being deemed an incomplete pass after he's held on to it for over you know well over a couple seconds um but yeah, I don't. I don't think you need to change it because it just creates more gray area. What do you think? Well, I don't know if they have to change the rule altogether, but I will say, I something that Max Kellerman said. I, I watched a video on him. He was talking about the catch, and mm. I have to. I, he changed my opinion on it a little bit. Uh, he, he was talking about how Jesse's James Neal uh, knee was down on the ground at one mm. point, right? And yep, he had right already he he had already caught the ball. Yeah, which no. established, uh, which he said it establishes possession. He's down with his knee. Nobody touched him, so he's still not officially down. So he established possession of the ball. And then he made a football move, which is the two requirements of the, uh, of the catch. Yeah. So he had caught the ball, had his knee down, and then he reached out. So according, um, according to the rule, that's technically a catch, even though it, afterwards he reached the goal line and it hit the ground and everything. So that was the argument that Kellerman was making. Not that the rule needed to be changed, but that was actually a catch by the rule. Mm-hmm. And after looking at it and everything, I have to agree with him. I think the officials just botched it a little bit. And it should have been, I mean, by everybody's knees, uh, eyes and everybody watching the game, everybody thought that was a catch anyway. Yeah. I know there's some other instances, such as the Des Bryant catch, when he was still stumbling and it wasn't like he really established himself as up or anything and he hadn't hit the ground yet when he was reaching out for the pylon and he he lost the ball 
So I think that this was more of a case of a botched officiating and not more that the catch rule needs to be changed exactly because no matter what you change the catch rule to, people are going to have problems with it. But people wanted a definitive set of rules to determine what a catch is. And I think that people have it now. It's just that people are mad about it because it, mm-hmm. it, it changes some calls that look like obvious catches. But in, according to the rule book, I mean, they're officiating it right most of the time, and they have to go by it because it has to be fair for everybody. Exactly. So I think this was more of a botched uh, call that the the refs really wanted the Patriots to win, you know. So <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, yeah, I just I think that um, the catch rule doesn't need to be changed right now. Maybe look into it a little bit more to make some of these more common sense plays uh, yeah. look a little smoother, but. Mm. If you're going to have a definitive rule, you got to stick by it. So I'm not really upset with it. No, yeah, and that's the thing. You know, I also agree. You know, his knee is down at the one-yard line, and he moves. Um, unfortunately, yeah. you know, there's just – there. like I said, there is still so much gray area in it that maybe that just needs to be established in the offseason, but I don't think a rule changes where it is. I think another thing that's really interesting about this is I was reading up the other day um, – you know, that fumble was, that incomplete pass was called an incomplete pass because James caught it and then extended for the goal line. Yeah. Um, and you see that happen a lot. You know, Derek Carr extended for the goal line Sunday night and he just flew the ball right into the back of the end zone and that's a touchback. That's two key plays that would have changed the outcome of a game. I was reading Monday, Bill Belichick has a rule with his team that you, if you try and extend to the pylon for a touchdown, you'll be benched. He tells really? players that if you if you make a boneheaded play and try to extend at the one or two yard line and turn the ball over, even if you don't turn the ball over, if you try it, you'll get benched, which is just, you know, just another reason of why the Patriots are so good. They take that idea that, listen, if we're at the one yard line, the odds are that, are, that we're going to get into the end zone. So don't lose yeah. us the ball trying to make a touchdown play when, you know, we've got other plays to get there. So I think that's just one thing about the Patriots' genius and and Bill Belichick's mind. That's, you know, don't risk that play. We'll get into the end zone, and he trusts himself, and he trusts his offense, and that's just something that that other teams don't do, and that's what makes the Patriots so much better is they they take the fine details of football and exploit them. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I did not know that. And I've always, I've uh, honestly, I've always thought that. I've always thought that. It's like, why are you extending to the goal line when you're on the one yard line first and goal? Exactly. It's so easy to punch it in. Yeah, especially for running backs. I'm like, you're probably going to get in on the next play. Mm. Why why are you risking a fumble in the back of the end zone, which is probably the most disheartening thing as a football fan to watch? I mean, it's it's so depressing. I mean, it's got to be deflating for a team as well just to see. Oh, we have. We're probably gonna at least get at the minimum, minimum three. Should get seven, and then all of a sudden they have the ball on the twenty yard line. They're not even in a bad position anymore. It, it's it's a terrible play for someone to make. Only thing I can think of that's worse really is a pick six from the goal line or something like that. Oh yeah, but but still, I just I've always had a problem with it. And look at that, Bill Belichick has already solved that problem. He's a he is a genius, and I, you know one person that that also backed up the catch rule this week that everybody kind of was like, "Why?" Uh, mm-hmm. Eli Manning had some <laughs> statements about the catch rule, saying, "Yeah, I get the rule. I don't know why everybody has a problem with it." And I'm like, "Go, good job, Eli. You, he actually." I is, didn't even see that. That's so yeah, funny. <laughs> yeah, everybody, everybody else is in uproar over what a catch is, and Eli's over here. Yeah, I get the rule. I get why it wasn't a catch. I mean, big deal. And so Jeez. I'm, I'm kind of with Eli on this one. I, I, 
if people want to catch rules and it's going to piss some people off and you might yeah. as well just get get used to it and know the rule instead of whining and complaining about what it catches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, until it happens to me and to my Redskins or something, I'm going to keep with it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's enough for our subjects for the day. We'll go into our uh, game picks for this week. And uh, last week you had a rough week, Blake. No, I'll be honest. Uh, one in four after uh, he, he we, I played with his heart a little bit. I made him uh, choose yeah. between the Colts <laughs> and the Broncos, Colts, yeah. and he had to pick the Colts, which was really his downfall. Uh, he also picked, uh, I think, uh, the Seahawks, who also got annihilated. So yeah, once again, just n- not a strong week. Was my one correct pick the Patriots? Yes, you did oh, pick the and Patriots. I hate, and I hate picking the Patriots. So, you know, well, thank God you I did. went one and four. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You yeah. picked the Patriots. It's usually not a bad bet. No, so he did no. pick the Patriots. So we'll go on to this week and hopefully have a better week. But I will. I would like to say that the season total is now tied at 22 to 18 between both me and Blake going into the last two things of the year. So uh, make Damn. your picks count this week. Yeah, it's going to be a big one. We'll go straight into the first game. Um so the Seahawks versus the Cowboys this week. I mean, both eight and six teams, both on the verge of wild card contention. Uh, who do you got, Blake? I'm gonna go with the Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott back. Did you see the pictures of Ezekiel Elliott the other day? Yeah, I don't really want to. Oh, uh, I'll be honest. God, he looks like a monster. He looks like he did out of Ohio State when he was wearing crop tops. Yeah, you he know? always looks like a freaking monster. Yeah, well, I mean, take a look at last week with Seattle's defense. They Todd Gurley was ran all over him. You know, was a great uh, running back in the receiving game as well. And just, you know, tore apart the Seahawks defense. And this week with Zeke back, that Cowboys team is clicking three wins in a row. I think Zeke will run all over him again, too. I'm not impressed by, at all by the Seahawks defense. They, you know, they're they're picking battles with each other. They're arguing all day. They've got some beef on the field and off the field. And and I think this is the perfect game for Dallas to really get, their, get back into the postseason. And another thing... You know, you kind of disrespected the the Cowboys D line. I mean, Demarcus. Oh. You said it earlier. Demarcus Lawrence, thirteen and a half sacks this year, thirty four tackles, four forced fumbles. I mean, he's been one of the best defensive linemen in football this year. Hey, um, I didn't really disrespect him. I just said he's not Aaron Donald. Right? That's that's true. Aaron Donald is one of the Aaron best D tackles of all time. Well, not that best. Sorry, best D tackle in football. I'm not sure of all time. Yeah, he's still I don't really know. Really he's got time. Yeah, yeah, he's a but. But, you know, DeMarcus Lawrence is, you know, couldn't make life very terrible for Russell Wilson, um, especially with how bad that right side of the offensive line is for Seattle. I mean, who they're starting out at right tackle and right guard is just appalling. And so that's that's the perfect opportunity for him to really make life miserable for Wilson. And so, yeah, I, I took a really long time to explain that, but I think the Cowboys are going to win. Yeah, see... Everything is pointing towards the Cowboys gashing the Seahawks and everything. and The Seahawks have looked terrible last week, and I think that's really going to piss them off. I really think that the Seahawks might find a little bit of solace and maybe be able to stop Ezekiel a little bit. Russell Wilson has a decent day because their backs are against the wall. This has been a playoff team for years. They know they have to win this game. They're going into enemy territory. I'm, I'm going to go with the Seahawks. I've picked the Cowboys several times this year, and they've disappointed me every time. So I'm tired of picking the Cowboys. I'm going with the Seahawks. I hope that they show up this week and can really put a stint in the Cowboys' offense. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> On to the next game. Uh, the Falcons versus the Saints, a huge divisional matchup. The Falcons are at 9-5, and five and um, they're the closest to being out of the playoffs of all the teams in the playoffs right now. 
But the Saints, uh, they they lost to the Falcons a couple weeks ago. Who do you got, Blake? Um, I'm taking the Saints. I really felt that that Thursday, that, that, that game was just a fluke, their first matchup. You lose Kamara yeah. on the first or second drive. I forget how early it was in the game, but you lose him pretty early on, and he's one of the most dynamic backs in you know this NFL season. So having him for a full game, if he stays healthy, hopefully, you know that that will change a lot too. And I think there's just a lot of problems with Thursday night games. You know, there are so many fluke wins, some ugly games, and I think that was just a that was just an off week for the Saints. I really fully expect them to get back on things and take care of the Falcons this week. I I agree. Um, I'm gonna go with the Saints as well, uh, and it's more of the fact. Uh, I think the Falcons are a dysfunctional team, and I I don't see them hanging in for a full game against the Saints at this point. If the Saints play their game the way they should, and like you said, Kamara's back, there's nothing that goes wrong in the health department, then I yeah. think they're just the better team than the Falcons, and it'll show up. And that's that's all I really have to say about it. I just yeah. don't think the Falcons <laughs> are that great, and I've said that this entire year. They've impressed me at all times. year. All year, I have, since mm-hmm. Kevin was hosting. I've said the Falcons yep. are a little overrated. But we'll see what happens. On to the next game, uh, the Toilet Bowl pick of the week. And, you know, we were talking about it before. We couldn't really found a game that was too – both teams are absolute trash. But we found the Browns versus the Bears. <laughs> and it's a little lopsided towards the Bears. Who do you got, Blake? You picking the upset? No. Oh, you know, I really want to. No, don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. We talked. No. We talked about this, but like oh. I mean, if you think about the one strong point of the Bears or of the Browns defense, it's that front seven, and you know Jordan. That's that's all the really the uh, the Bears have on offense. Trubisky has looked better; he's developed, but they have zero receivers out there that I think you know are game changers. Um, uh, no, I'm sticking with the Bears. I yeah, Deshaun Deshaun yes. Kaiser is awful, <laughs> and yeah. and. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go with the Bears. Um, their defense is great, and I think they'll make life miserable for Kaiser, even with Gordon back. Yeah, I'm going with the Bears, too, and that's all I'm saying about it. I'm going to next pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jaguars versus 49ers, and here's an interesting one. And I'm going to go ahead and make my pick before Blake goes on his little rant. <laughs> oh, I I, there was a reason this. why I picked this game, because I'm going with the 49ers. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is the best and I've said this once again for weeks, Jimmy Garoppolo is a game changer. Every game that he's ever started in the NFL, he's won, and I don't think that it stops this week. I think that he throws for a couple touchdowns, maybe a pick, because Jaguars secondary is really good, but I think that the the 49ers go in there, and they upset the Jaguars, and they light a fire in the NFL that shows that the 49ers are for real, and next year, everybody better watch out. You know, I... I'll agree that next year, you know, teams should watch out. They're going to make an improvement. But come on, Connor. Connor, come on. You're talking about playing the Jaguars. 51 sacks. I mean, they're plus 15 in the turnover ratio. Blake Bortles hasn't looked bad. You know, 3,100 yards, 19 touchdowns, only eight interceptions. They have the number one rushing offense in the league. Leonard Fournette's almost at 1,000 yards this year, despite missing three games. And then... You know, their defense is unreal. We talked about them earlier. There's so many guys on that t- defense that deserve to be in the Pro Bowl. I mean, you know, 14.5 sacks from Calais Campbell, 11 sacks from Yannick Ngakwe, 7.5 from Dante Fowler. Like, you forget that he's even there sometimes. Um, you get, you know, six interceptions from A.J. Bouye, uh, four from Jalen Ramsey, four from Sean Gibson. You know, Telvin Smith and Barry Church, three interceptions. This defense... 
is is unreal. You know, it's unheard of. It's 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 a generational defense that you know. Hopefully, I I you know, as a Colts fan, I pray to God that you know that this all just falls apart, and um, so Andrew Luck can play another game of football. But as an NFL fan, I love watching this. It shows that you don't need a star quarterback to be successful, um, and to think that. You know, the 49ers, you know, I like them. They've got some good wins. I don't think Tennessee was great. I don't think that was a, you know, a high-quality win for San Francisco. But they're going to play one of the best defenses of all time, and, you know, I think it'll be Jimmy G's first loss. Well, I mean, that's entirely possible. I'm going to ask you, like, just two hypothetical – these are hypothetical questions. I cannot emphasize that. Yeah. I'm just going to – so if it was – Tom Brady going into face Jacksonville on the 49ers uh, offense. Would you say that the 49ers are going to win? He's still going with Jacksonville. Just, just like this question. With the 49ers offense, so you're yeah. giving me their receivers and their tight end. Yeah, yeah, I'm giving you. I'm, yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Jaguars. Still, honestly, I, just, I, I truly, I truly believe that. Why? What? I, I figured that. I figured. I just wanted to know. I, I know you love the Jaguars and everything. I'm not saying Jimmy G is anywhere near Tom Brady's level yet. I think Jimmy G has the potential to get there, and I think oh, yeah. he's, he's he's really good. And I think that people want to say he's only been in the league for so he's only made so many starts, and he's he can't be considered elite yet or anything like that. And he can't be considered when it comes to statistical things. But I think that he's playing at a level where. He can beat anybody right now. I really oh. do. And mm-hmm. I and think that he got, you can go. <laughs> well, that, that's another thing is that he had so much time to, you know, work under the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, if, if anyone has a chance, you got to watch this a six-minute um, audio of uh, he was mic'd up this past week. And just listening to him have control of the team, you know, he's got something great going in that he has a bright future in San Francisco. Should he stay there this offseason? I don't see any reason why he'd leave. But, um... Yeah, what were you saying? Cause I, I'm just excited for Jimmy G, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I'm pretty much the same way. I don't even remember what my train of thought exactly was. I just, I, I'm, I just think that he could make a huge, huge statement to the football world if he were able to beat the Jaguars this week and look good doing it. Mm-hmm. So we'll go on to our next one uh, and our final one. So the Bills versus the Patriots. Classic matchup, huh? I mean... The Tom Brady has really owned to the Bills over his career. But this is a game the Bills have to have. They're still in the playoffs right now. Uh, if they were to win this game, their playoff hopes would look a lot, a lot better. Um, who do you got in this one, Blake? Yeah, this is kind of another thing that me and Connor were talking about before, where it was just like, well, they're both in the playoffs. I mean, there aren't that many games this week that are truly exciting to me. So I feel like this is just one that, you know, it's a playoff matchup potential, so let's pick it. It's still the Patriots. I mean, it's always the Patriots. It's it's so annoying. But, um, yeah, the Bills, I don't care who's a quarterback. I don't care if they bring back the great, the great Jim Kelly. Uh, they're not beating uh, this Patriots team, and so I'm going to stick with the Pats. Yeah. Uh, I tried to make this game sound more interesting than it actually is. Yeah. <laughs> the, pa- the, Patriots, the Patriots are probably going to dominate this one. Uh, and this is another hypothetical. One more hypothetical before you go. If you were to take the greatest Bills teams over the past, like, 20 years and put them up against the Patriots right now, are you taking the Patriots or the Bills? I'm still taking the Patriots. It might be closer. Definitely. It, might be <laughs> it will be closer. Game. We but, got Joe oh Kelly God. out there versus Tom yeah. Brady. It's and a whole different a, thing. I think we got, like, uh, well, who's their old 
uh, why is it Lee Evans or something like that? I, I remember some old wires. Put the juice used. back out there. Get OJ exactly. out there. <laughs> exactly. Okay, let's let's just get carried away. Like, <laughs> but all right, I think that's our final picks of the week. Uh, I think that's all we have, isn't it, Blake? Yeah. Enjoy the holidays, everyone. You as well, Connor. Uh, YouTube, Blake. Merry Christmas to everyone, and I hope to see you next week, guys. Yes. Take care.